You're listening to Dr. Tony Nader, the podcast, dedicated to exploring the full potential of human physiology and mind with focus on ancient and modern techniques of self-development. Spend some time with Dr. Nader, who is leading the way in the science of consciousness and begin your journey to better understanding the relationship of mind and body, consciousness and physiology right now. The question of precisely what is consciousness has fascinated philosophers since ancient times. Consciousness has been described as something different from or other than what we call the material or the physical. In this episode, Dr. Nader discusses Chapter 3 of his book, One Unbounded Ocean of Consciousness, and questions such as, if there are two different realities in our universe, one abstract, consciousness, mind, and spirit, and one concrete, the energy, physical, and material, how do they talk to each other? How does the physical interact with the non-physical and vice versa? How does the abstract relate to and communicate with the concrete? Today's discussion is about chapter three of the Unbounded Ocean of Consciousness. And that chapter is giving us a new protagonist, an important one, the most important one. We said, let's look at this book, uh, One Unbounded Ocean of Consciousness, from a story perspective. And the first chapter has introduced um, me in the story, myself as an author, where I come from and the questions I was asking. And they are important because all of us, we ask these questions. The second chapter, we describe what is our worldview. And this is something we are not used to consider as part of our reality, as part of ourselves. But it really is very intimate to who we are. It is hidden, but it really colors all that we do in our life. Because if we believe in freedom, if we believe that life has purpose, if we believe that it was created by matter as a chance, and then there is trial and error, then we have some things that we have to do in certain ways in order to evolve. If we believe it's a perfect design and therefore there are laws and rituals and things to follow, then every one of us have a set. We all have a set of beliefs and visions and expectations and prejudices and things we have learned and things we have kind of decided and made solutions in our mind about and that sits in the background of our consciousness of our awareness and becomes a filter of the reality that we see and now in this chapter chapter three enters two values they are kind of opposite side one of each other there is the value of matter and the value of mind so let's call mind for now and matter, but we can also call it the physical and the spiritual. We can call it the value that is concrete and the value that is abstract, that is not available to our senses, to our direct experience through the senses. It's available to us through our mind as a thought, through our intellect to analyze it, through our sense of being, our sense of self, our sense of thinking that this is what we are, this is who we are, and identifying ourselves with something. So all of this is there in terms of 
the reality of what we live and we see all our life and everything that happens in our life in a sense we see it through these lenses and we said we have colored lenses and the colored lenses make us see the world in that manner so all these other aspects of freedom determinism etc the the things of life are players in our play in our game that we are engaging in it's not a game it's a true reality of life but in a sense we are saying it's like a game and now enters two fundamental factors matter or physical and the mental or consciousness and which one is the actual generator the one that is the source if you like of all these other factors does it come from a physical development through material development or does it come from mental reality from a consciousness level as we said in modern science mostly scientists will say well everything comes from energy there is some kind of energy we don't know where it comes from and that energy becomes particles atoms molecules cells organs organ systems it creates our nervous system and this way it leads to activity of the nervous system that gives us somehow consciousness but consciousness is not something material it's not something that we can even explain in any way scientifically or physically today from the starting point of matter and matter creating consciousness on the other hand we have consciousness we have awareness and it could be that awareness is there and is primary it could also be that there are two things and they are separate but by now we know scientifically and through scientific studies that mind and body are intimately connected what happens in your mind has something that happens in your body what happens in your body reflects on your mind you know you can take food or you can take a drug or medicine or chemical things and you change your physiology through chemistry but then you have different experiences you might have tiredness you might have dullness you might have hallucination you might have different experiences on the mental level and therefore the changes in the physiology have an influence in the mind and we also know through techniques of meditation and particular transcendental meditation that if you transcend if you dive deep within yourself through a process of awareness of consciousness you change also your physiology you change your hormones etc and so they are intimately related and we see them as one wholeness but therefore the question comes which one is at the beginning which one starts the story is it consciousness or is it matter and so in order to say that obviously there is one thing that is sure on the surface level is that the physical reality is very much there we can see it we experience it we know it to be also palpable we have pain if we put our finger in the fire we have joys if we see things that are fulfilling on the outside we have all this material reality that we build and so we are engrossed in it and therefore it has a reality of its own on its own level so it's a hard problem this is where we define the hard problem the hard problem is how does consciousness create matter or if you start from the material level how does matter create consciousness 
And in this chapter, you are invited to be the detective, to be the researcher, to be the thinker who is going to investigate this. We know you have a worldview. Fine, it's a worldview. But now, in order to truly find the culprit or the one responsible for what is happening in our world, our universe, we have to have an open mind because experience has shown that what we see through our senses is not necessarily the ultimate reality, the ultimate truth. As we said, we see the earth to be flat, we see the sun moving in the sky from east to west, and we assume the sun is moving in the sky. And as you know, you know throughout history, before we discovered that it's the earth that rotates around its axis, creating the effect of day and night and creating the effect of the sun moving in the sky, it was a very complicated thing to resolve, even the greatest minds. And there was a question in our previous discussion that how come so very intelligent, greatly intellectual people, very well-versed and knowledgeable people, believe in matter as being the primary aspect of life, and we are being now proposing that consciousness is all there is. Is like, can't we depend on those people? Well, the question is always, where is your starting point? So when the scientists, the great minds, the great thinkers of the time were looking at the reality, they had some data, some information through their senses. And this information shows that the Earth is flat, it doesn't move, and therefore it is the center of the universe because the whole universe, when you look out, seems to be moving around you, and therefore you are absolutely sure that this is the reality. And then they started to calculate and they found, well, there is no way to explain why the planets, for example, move in one direction and suddenly they start moving back. What makes them turn around and move back? And therefore, it didn't make sense. They made all possible calculations and it was impossible to find the solution mathematically and intellectually, etc. What they had to change is not the mathematics, is not the logic, it's not the deduction. It's their primary assumption that the Earth is flat and is the center of the universe. And that took a long time and very difficult discussions to change. We said yesterday that that's the same with our concept of reality on the classical level of physics, the outer expressions. And when we go to the deeper levels of physics and we look into the atom and the particles, they behave in a different way. They can be in two different places at the same time. They can be superposed. They can connect with each other over long distances, faster than the speed of light. And these are points that are brought in chapter three to let us be open-minded. So therefore we have our own glasses, but if we want to really find the culprit, if we want to find the reasons for things or discover the treasure, if you like, of the reality, we have to have an open mind. And even though we say we have an open mind, we have to have some assumption at the beginning. And that is why in this chapter, I present the assumption that consciousness is all there is and that we're going to start 
from this assumption. Now, is it wrong? Is it right? Is it a belief system? Is it something we have to believe in? That's not the point at all. It's something that gives us a starting point. And in science, the ability to solve many mysteries, and there are many mysteries in science, in life, in philosophy, but the ability to solve many mysteries at once has always been an indication that we are on the right path. And so if you have a hypothesis and it leads to something realistic, something real, something effective, then you can say that it is correct. So, therefore, it is not on the basis of believing one way or the other. It's on the basis of looking at reality, doing the detective work, why this happens, how this happens, what is matter, what is mind, what is their relationship, and trying to put the things together that are missing and see if you can fill the parts so that the puzzle is solved. So every part has to fit. You cannot have something that is in contradiction with observation, with knowledge that is for sure has been demonstrated to be true. And it has to fit and answer the questions that we have. So that is really the basic aspect of the chapter, just to say, let's have an open mind. Let's just go through it. And there is a proposition that consciousness is all there is. It's a proposition, and we want to analyze this proposition from different perspectives. Thank you for your questions. There have been many questions that have come. I look at them, and we will answer them. Some of them are not related to the chapter as is, this particular chapter, but we will address some of them because they are also very interesting. I have from Gayan Kostikyan from Armenia, two important questions, uh, and that is, one is the dialectic between chance and orderliness, and as you will see in the book, it really puts, dialectic means to put together things that can be opposite, and, and like that, this is in a simple way, where we can find either a compromise, or we can find that both realities are true, and they can coexist. And in fact, you will see that, yes, this reality is like that, that there could be freedom and chance. At the same time, there could be orderliness. But where is the orderliness and where is the chance? Is the orderliness is an imposed design that forces the chance to move in one direction? Or there is real freedom and then you can go in any direction you want. And this has an implication on responsibility and our responsibility as a human species now that we have such level of high awareness to move things in the right direction. So as the book proceeds, you will see this tension or uh, this reality between chance and orderliness building up and giving us a beautiful solution that will be very satisfying. Gayan also asked something that says that the statement of famous philosopher saying, the more I learn, the less I know and therefore wonders if we really have to learn more or just, you know, that ignorance is bliss in a sense. The less one knows, the better one sleeps. And these are things we have heard and we know about. And in some ways, of course, it is true that ignorance in some ways, in some places, in some situations, gives us a sense of peace. But that means we are not evolving. 
and we are not in touch with reality. Uh, we are not interested to know the true games, and life is going to force us to do that. It's going to force us to be facing situations where we will have questions, and it's very important that we are able to answer them so that we can know what the rules of the game are and how to guide our life in the proper direction. So this is very important point. Also about the more I know, the less I know, in a sense, the more I learn, the less I know. In fact, it's a nice way to put it, but it's not really exactly meant like that. What it is meant is the more you learn, the more you open your awareness to a vista of possibilities that you have not known before. When you are in ignorance and you haven't learned, you don't even know what are the things that you are missing. And so you feel like, oh, I know everything. I just know the sun rises in the east, it goes to the west, I know the earth is flat, I know everything is stable and strong, I know there is this and that. And then you face situations which don't work in your life, you know, your, your happiness, problems, issues, etc. Responsibility, if you want to guide your community for justice, create laws, uh, behavior that is to be rewarded, behavior that is to be punished, etc. You ask yourself questions and you start facing situations where you are overwhelmed. So then you are going to be forced to know more. And as you start learning, you will discover that there is so much more to know. And it is in this sense that the more I learn, the less I know. It means the more I learn, the more I feel that there is even more to know than what I have felt before. And that is why we are now going into these discussions so that we actually know and ultimately know reality and know wholeness and know totality and experience it in ourselves so that we can live a life of fullness and on the level of light, the light of knowledge, which gives us possibilities. And therefore, the more I learn in the objective material level, the more I understand that I have to learn about chemistry, physiology, uh, biochemistry, uh, neurology. The, and then you say, oh my God, I never knew that all these things are there. And now I realize how much less I know than what I thought before. But if you go on the inward level and you know your real self and you understand how the self manifests in so many different ways, and this is what the book One Unbounded Ocean of Consciousness aims at offering everyone, and that is true knowledge of the basics of life, of the basic aspects of reality, so that we can truly look at things from the right perspective and also to have technology of consciousness that allows us to develop our awareness so that we can have a broad comprehension. There is a saying in the ancient Vedic literature in the traditions of ancient India that says, know that by knowing which everything is known. So if you know the unified field and its dynamics within yourself by direct experience, then you can have spontaneous right action, spontaneous knowledge, spontaneous experience, because you are established in that field which contains all the laws of nature. And human potential is there, is moving towards that, 
And that is where, as we will discuss in the book in further chapters, comes higher states of consciousness that are opening our awareness and broadening it so that we can experience wholeness and totality. Lydia Cohen from Israel is asking, does today's quantum field physics describe perception in the state of unity consciousness, or there is still more to go? Unity consciousness is actually beyond the level of quantum field physics. Maybe quantum field physics is an element of it, but the book is not going to depend or base its logic or the logic that we're going to use as our detective and search in this book as we go through knowledge is not going to depend on what modern science knows. We will explain some things from modern science to explain that there is no contradiction. But the concept that we are presenting is not based on the fact that there is quantum mechanics or the fact that there is a potential unified field theory. These are just substantiating and supporting the idea, but the logic we're going through does not depend on whether the quantum field is a field of consciousness, whereas the classical field is not a field of consciousness. And therefore, as you go deeper, you can have more and more consciousness, or as you go more expressed on the nervous system level and the complexity and organization level, you get more consciousness. So these are topics that will also be discussed. But for now, just this warning that it is not following physics or depending on physical findings. Even Finkelstein is asking, if the ultimate constituents of matter are non-material, then matter itself must be non-material. In fact, there is no matter as such, even from the physics perspective. We have to realize that. From the physics perspective, matter is an expression of physical energy fields that appear as matter from a particular perspective. You have a particular perspective, and that is what allows our nervous system, our human reality, to see things as they are. If you look at matter, in fact, whatever we call matter, and take away the emptiness within it, you could put the entire planet Earth with all that there is in it, in a small cube, which is less than one centimeter cube if you remove just the emptiness. Now you will tell me, what is the cube then? What is it made of? Well, it is assumed to be made out of particles, but the particles themselves are only fluctuations and excitations of fields. And therefore, this whole thing takes us beyond what we call matter, which is gross physical things that you see through your senses, to the physical, which is the more energy level, the more field level, and then, as we will see, going beyond that to the level of consciousness. And therefore, matter is not the reality. Physical is itself a perception, a way of perceiving. And yes, you are right. In a sense, you know, it means that matter is actually spiritual. But to get to that, you have to go through a certain logic and not be, you know, just taking it as a conclusion from the beginning, because then even though the solution is simple, you have to go through the steps so that you understand the logic and not take it as a dogma or a belief system. 
Jerry from Canada, Bonifacio from uh, Canada says, would like to see how to do and adjust their program and the breathing. So I think you should talk to a transcendental meditation teacher and the city teachers. They will give you based on your requirements, whatever is needed. Lisa from South Africa wants to know about personality. And in a sense, her question is about nature and nurture, because People are born under certain conditions and might have certain deficiencies. And then that will influence their personality, their way of living, etc. And that also has a reason why we came like this, why things happen like that and what we can do about it. But this is more advanced in the further chapters that we go along. But for now, we can know that we can actually even influence our DNA if not its structure directly, but its expression. And this is called epigenetics. Science now knows that the environment of the DNA can lead to activation or disactivation of certain genes. And therefore, at least from the possibility level, the theoretical level, it is possible to do that. And the techniques of transcending and transcendental meditation on going back deep within the self and also diet and good living exercise the sun proper balance in life can influence these factors plus other things such as of course helping counseling and all that from the mind and the body we can have really the possibility of getting over the difficulties from italy Orsola's asking how to meditate properly. I think the best way is to contact a transcendental meditation teacher in your area. You can check it on the internet, either on tm.org or drtonynader.com, and you will have access to the teachers. Carlos Ruiz de Navamuel from Spain. How one explains heaven and hell from the viewpoint of consciousness? how consciousness can also create hell. Consciousness itself does not create hell, but as you will see, we are looking about worldviews and paradigms right there, right now. And there is the question of freedom. And the freedom means the ability to choose. And as you will go through the book, you will discover that yes, we have freedom. Uh, people who tell you no, everything is deterministic, even from a scientific perspective. In fact, the conclusions that the books and the logic brings us to is that we actually have freedom. And if we have freedom, we can choose to go in accordance with the evolutionary power of natural law or the evolutionary power of life, which we also discover as we go through the book, or we can go against it. So when we make a choice against it, then the evolutionary process is not so fulfilling and that leads to experiences of suffering and pain and some of them call it hell but this idea of hell and heaven or paradise and like that what happens after life is a complex situation that relates to belief and all of this but if we go through the book and understanding then we can address it in a very profound way so there is also a question about freedom how freedom of the will can be explained better through consciousness-based models than through materialistic-based models. It's because materialistic-based models are models that have a hard time 
to explain why freedom would arise when there are very strict laws of nature. And if they are all set and there is cause and effect at every level, then how can you actually lead to freedom? Whereas there is a real reason why freedom is there and freedom actually becomes a very important factor in the play of the unmanifest becoming manifest. And you will discover this through the book. Thank you for being with us. It was great to be together. All the best. Stay healthy and happy. Thank you for tuning into Dr. Tony Nader, the podcast. And if you're interested in learning more from Dr. Nader, please follow him on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube.